G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Always good to welcome back to 2020, Charles Newington, who's the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Hello, Charles. Welcome along. Thank you. Good morning, Neil. Well, Charles, this is such a big topic and one that's been spoken about time and again over the years in the lead up to what has happened yesterday Uh, such a significant and you might even say an historic day that's happened in Victoria. Euthanasia has become legal. Uh, More than 120 doctors and specialists having undertaken mandatory training to qualify them to assess a patient's eligibility for the voluntary euthanasia scheme. Uh, It is, as I said, uh, a day that many Christians are grieving for those who are going to be participating in that. Uh, What are your thoughts, uh, just as things have begun to develop this week, Charles? Well, Neil, to be honest, even though this has been on the agenda for quite a long time, you know, you you can think about it sort of theoretically, but when it actually happens, uh, for me, I'm just sort of, in a whole new state of reflection and uh, and prayer and concern about it because it's such a complicated issue for people, isn't it? It's just so so hard to to um, um, to kind of get your mind around the fact that that this is actually happening in Australia now. Charles, there are uh, so-called safeguards, something like sixty-eight of those, and they've been contentious ever since that legislation passed. Uh, 68 safeguards. Uh, what are your thoughts on what that really means? Well, the uh, former vice president of the uh, Australian Medical Association, Stephen Parnis, who's been such a um, a hero in this, he, he makes the observation that um, 68 so-called safeguards were seen as necessary um, to demonstrate um, the risk posed in and they demonstrate the risk posed in inflicting wrongful death. You know, that, that this is a highly complex bit of legislation and medical action, and there are such risks. And so in order to kind of minimise those risks, there, there are huge safeguards. But Parnas, who's a, he's a palliative care specialist and um, been in the care of, of, of people in end of life for a long time, he um, he's so qualified to to speak about this process uh, because um, you know somebody who's a practitioner who's been involved in a situation like this sees it with the clarity that theoreticians and politicians and uh, and even commentators like ourselves we just don't we just don't see it you know but um, his great concern has been that this debate has 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 not moved the commitment of governments to provide better palliative care services um, and uh, and that that is just such a such a, a a troubling thing for us as a nation that um, people people do get into that time of life where they're, they're, they're the final 
uh, days um, can be incredibly difficult and they do need good palliative care and too often um, in the regions, um, you know, outside of the urban capitals, this care isn't so readily available. And so you can understand why people... Um, are they looking for some kind of good medical response? And and in an issue like this, that what are the options? You know, the options are relatively limited. They're either that we really invest in palliative care as a, as a society, because let's face it, you know, with an aging population, it's a it's a it's a real issue. And on the other hand, um, the other option is that we go down the path of. Uh, of euthanasia you, when you, you commit to the path of euthanasia the, the thing is that you know when you look at the historical data in other countries that have taken this path uh, it what it does is it sort of green lights or opens the gate to people who don't necessarily have um, life-threatening terminal diseases but they have um, something's happened to them emotionally or psychologically or something it's happened to them physically it's created an emotional um, want to die and um and they put pressure on, on medicos and, and legislators, of course, to open the gate wider to include not just the, the, the critical medical uh, situations, but, but to, to also you know, provide opportunity for people with mental health reasons. Charles, so let's just reflect for a few moments here on the fact that money is an issue because we pay taxes and we anticipate that the government is going to meet those basic needs. And uh, so far as health care goes, of course, there's always a blooming uh, budget there uh, that uh, continues to grow. Uh, but when we talk about the cost of palliative care and we see legislation like this creep in, and now it's law in Victoria and it will be happening there, uh, the idea that governments are uh, saving money by expending lives, what are your thoughts for just how seriously that rubs us up the wrong way as Christian believers? Well, it's, you know, it's a terrible thing to say, isn't it? It's a, it's a terrible thing to say or a terrible thing to think that, 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 that this even has to come into a conversation. And... Um, and of course, politicians would would furiously um, resist that that idea. And um, um, and and I think we have to be very careful with um, with it. Um, but whatever happens in the in the euthanasia uh, issue, um, um, it does not do away with the responsibility of uh, of society. To, to provide um, you know the best possible care for people at the uh, at the end of their lives so um, it, it's not a case of euthanasia or palliative care um, certainly not it's it's um, palliative care is is one of those great great uh, moral uh, challenges and uh, and it and you know as dr Parnis uh, would bear witness it's a, it it can be uh, it can be such a make such a difference. He, he, you know, one of the great statements that um, another uh, doctor who's been involved, Dr. Hagwell, he's been a former um, a former president of the AMA. He makes the observation, um, you know, that that, that, that this this language 
of dying with dignity. You know, Pawnee's also says it says that he, he takes offence to the notion that euthanasia is the only assurance a person has about dying with dignity. Uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of those uh, terminologies uh, that oh, wow. are used by uh, particularly one side of politics that oh, pushes yeah. an agenda there, and uh, and it is uh, as we were saying very disturbing. But what is disturbing also here, Charles? Uh, you've got a lot of Christian believers, armchair critics. Uh, armchair commentators uh, and there is a certain sense in which uh, we might reflect and perhaps we might even reflect harshly on what is not being done uh, what battle is not being taken up by uh, the Christian church there is a Christian response here on so many different levels so many needs in a society what are your thoughts for uh, what ought to be done and what we ought to perhaps be rethinking when it comes to our Christian activity. Yes, well, I, I, I am, you know, I'm, I'm sort of wanting to be humbly um, uh, provoked, you know, in a, in, a, in a modest and humble way about this because I, I recognise that this is not intended to be a comment of judgment. But there, there is a tendency sometimes for people to feel that if they've prayed about an issue that they can then just sort of pack it away. Well, you know, we did something about it. We prayed about it. And, and prayer mustn't be underestimated. Prayer is a, is a very, very important thing to do, that we go to God about, about all sorts of things, but particularly about important things like this, that people come to the end of life uh, often through, you know, in excruciating circumstances. Uh, and that's what the, 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 this, this uh, legislation's about. It's about those that are coming to the end of life with excruciating circumstances. And um, this moves us, and, and, and it's important that it moves us to prayer uh, for these people. Uh, but the thing about prayer is that prayer is not an alternative to action, even though we go to prayer when it seems there's nothing we can do. You know, so often that's when we resort to prayer because we say to ourselves, I just can't handle it. I don't know what to do here. So I'll just, I'm forced to go to God. Oh God, will you please do something? And uh, invariably what he does is he, he, he births in us faith and action. Um, and it's not that, it's not that our faith and action seems to be a huge part of it because that never is the case with miracles. You know, our faith and action always seems to be just a speck. In, in the great thing that God does. I mean, Moses lifted up the rod and the sea opened. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, lifted, he did such a small thing and God did such a big thing. And, uh, but nevertheless, the small thing is called for. You know, the action is called for. And, uh, and I, I'm so provoked that, that our society today, is, it's like, you know, there are some things it cannot say. And one of the things it can't say, because it doesn't know what to say, but it's looking desperately for the church to be the church, to arise, to, to kind of step into the breach, as it were, and to, and to, and to find, you know, the fulfillment of the promise um, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So it's, this, this power is not just, um, you know, just a sort of a quick fix, sort of like a magic bullet that fixes all sort of situations, because invariably the solution to these situations is so much more complex. It's, it's a combination of power, acts of power and, and prayers of faith, but also acts of great love and acts of sacrifice. And this is the nature of the church uh, in, our, in our life in the world, that we're not just about power merchants. You know, we, we are primarily, you know, power, the power of God is an expression of the love of God and the deep mercy of God for, for people that are in difficult times. And so 
that's, th- these things must challenge us deeply as a church about not allowing ourselves to develop a kind of a, an unconscious culture of self-interest in the church. Well, I'm all right, Frank, because I know where I'm going when I die. You know, yes, but thousands and millions of people around us don't. And it's not just about finding the, 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 the four spiritual laws um, uh, to persuade them. It's about they need more than that. They need the evidence of a changed life, the evidence of the power of God in our lives. And interesting point you're making there, and uh, just so worthy of reflection, this idea of becoming self-absorbed. Uh, self-important. Uh, I'm all right. I know where I'm going. I'm, you know, I'm doing some things that are good, uh, but there needs to be a whole lot more. Uh, just some of the different types of needs that might be in the community where the church, as you say, uh, even government would be waiting for the church to act on some of these things. Uh, the tens of thousands of marriages that fail, uh, children that are left uh, either in uh, out-of-home care or uh, those who uh, would be cases of domestic violence, uh, 60,000 as I understand it, and, oh, of course, yeah. uh, attempted suicides, uh, so many yeah. of those fatal. I mean, this, Charles, as we reflect on our own inactivity, and that's not to uh, to deny those who are championing the cause, So, and I talk to them regularly, but there obviously is... A big discrepancy in what the need is and where the church is falling short. What are your thoughts there for perhaps even just a fresh evaluation of what we ought to be doing? Well, I was provoked to think about um, about Jesus' prayer from John chapter 17. You know, it's, it's that long prayer of Jesus where he sent us on the difficult position of his people that we are in the world, in a, in a culture that is often so opposite in values and behavior. And he prays specifically, however, that he, he does not ask the Father to take us out of the world. You know, even though the world may, not, may even hate us, you know, hate our values and hate our presence. But he says he doesn't pray, oh God, remove them, save them from that situation. Because he knows the world needs us as the agents of grace and truth. But his prayer is that, that, that God, the Father, will keep us from the evil one. And... and and, you know, sometimes these, these theological terms like evil, they, they obscure things because it simply means that we do get sidetracked into serving our own interests and agendas. And, so, and that can lead in such a murderous direction ultimately, you know, where, um, uh, just by becoming lax or, or lazy or passive or disengaged, things happen in society that really have been calling out to us uh, for our interaction. And so... So this prayer, you know, this this prayer of Jesus is saying, oh, Father, don't remove people from a suffering world. You're my people are your people from a suffering world. But do something in them that enables them uh, to not be affected by what causes that suffering, that self-interest that so often it causes the self-interest, sort of immunize them to it. But, and I, I just acknowledge that, you know, in my life, I, this is the great challenge, that how to live uh, in a way that truly reflects the nature of Christ and... Um, and, and, and that is, that is, you know, these are deep times for the church to do, to do self, uh, to do deep reconciliation, uh, deep thinking about our, our, our role in the world. You know, I thought about how, you know, after the election, you know, the parliamentary parties, victors and losers, would have done some deep thinking about the outcome of that 
and we, the church, are in exactly the same position because we're affected by the election outcome, and it helps us to focus upon upon thinking deeply about our role in society, not leaving it just to government or not leaving it to somebody else, but to, but, but stirring our churches, being agents to stir our churches, even if it's just by, you know, I pray that the listeners that are listening in this conversation today, when they get an opportunity to pray in their church and when they get an opportunity to talk, and that they'll talk about the, 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 how much the nation needs us to, uh, to, to, um, to not be just a self-interested community. Well, Victoria has voluntary euthanasia uh, into its full effect now. Uh, other states like Queensland, like Western Australia, this is on their agenda too. Uh, when we talk slippery slopes, it's not just the slippery slope of what happens with uh, the way that the euthanasia process works, but we're already on a slippery slope here as other states are now contemplating this as the answer to their issues and whether those are economic uh, considerations that those state uh, leaders are using or whether this is just a, a way that, you know, even as we reflect on this, as we reflect as Christian uh, believers on the value of human life because we're created in the image and likeness of God, that this is an alternative uh, for a godless uh, government. But uh, the idea, Charles, that other states are now likely to follow oh, yeah. suit here, this is a yeah. challenge for us, isn't it? It certainly is. It, it, it is, and um, you know that, uh, that's why you know it's a case for us for the church to both pray and act. You know, not not just pray, but to pray and act as we get inspired. You know, I'm thinking, and Family Voice's particular interest is 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 that these situations, these are actually family situations. There are families involved in these critical decisions, and and the families that love these people that are suffering and in this critical moment. They they have to kind of find a way through to peace about what's happening and whose decision it is and did they do enough and all these things. We mustn't for a moment think that this doesn't have impact. You know, I, I think that what's been happening in our society has been the way in which we will normalise something like this as a way of helping people to cope with the impact of an issue like this, whether it's euthanasia or whether or abortion or something like that. We try to normalise it. So that, so that people can just walk away from it and get on with their lives and not be deeply affected psychologically and emotionally. But don't for one moment think that it doesn't do that. It still has that, still rests in the soul like a great, a great sore, you know, uh, that's unhealed. And, and, and there's so much unresolved grief in society that causes people to, to, to live, uh, live in a way that, that, that you know, that, that, that's full of sorrows, unstated sorrows. So, you know, these issues, um, once again, who can fix this? You don't expect the government to fix this. This is, this is part of the mandate and the responsibility of the church to, well, to realise that it's living in a really uh, a troubled society. A challenge there to not only be prayerful, but to be people of prayer and of action. Charles Newington, the National Director of Family Voice Australia. And let me point people to the Family Voice website because... There'll be articles, there'll be resources about these sorts of issues that we talk about uh, each Thursday. Familyvoice.org.au Familyvoice.org.au Charles Newington, thank you so much for sharing these thoughts with us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au And remember, Vision is listener-supported. 
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.